Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today is Book Club. Please remember, we do discuss the whole book, which may involve spoilers. Before I bring up our conversation, I wanted to say that your support of my podcast means a lot to me. The easiest way is to buy me a coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash LLTB podcast. Every coffee you buy me helps keep me alert and this podcast going. I'll add the link in the show notes and I thank you. One more thing. I want to talk a bit about a great audiobook app, Libro.fm. Let's you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. Choose from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of this podcast can get two books for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that is L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code LLTB podcast. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'll add the link in the show notes. And let's get straight to book club. Welcome everyone to book club. Today we are doing I Will Die in a Foreign Land by Kalani Pickhart. And um, I'll start off with what are your first thoughts about this book? I'll go. Um, I really enjoyed this book. I liked the timeline a lot because I felt like it kind of illustrated how there are certain times when people kind of converge in one spot for a few, you know, for a short period of time and then kind of diverge back out, but are impacted by one another in lots of different ways. Um, so for me, I really liked the timeline of it and how it was explained. I liked learning more about the conflict that we're watching play out. And I liked learning it in this context. I thought like the novel's, you know, aspect made it very interesting and compelling. First thoughts, anyone else? I'll go. I agree with Aaron. I um, did not know much about the history of this conflict and the way that Kalani vividly described images of poverty and war. I learned a lot without feeling like I was learning a lot in a bad way. So this book, I think, is actually my favorite one that we've read so far. Also liked the kind of subject and um, learning more about this this topic as well. I, I felt that it was a little confusing to me, um, a little stream of consciousness and a little bit jumpy. And I had a hard time connecting which characters were which. I kind of lost track of the people. So it took a little bit more effort um, to, to read it, but, but I did enjoy it. My thoughts are actually piggybacked with Dr. Chen. Most of the book felt like confusion to me. 
like who's who, where are we, what timeline are we in, what year are we, what country are we in? I was just constantly like, what's going on? I'm like, oh yeah, this character is Misha. And then someone else goes in. So a lot of it was confusing. I wish I had a, a diagram. I wish I had a tree, a branch tree that says, okay, this person had this relationship with this person and then this relationship broke and then this person went with this person, this person was pregnant with this child, this child died. You know, that that whole diagram or whatever would have helped a lot. The other thought I had was, uh, which might be, it's kind of an interesting thing because I feel embarrassed to say it, but I was confused by the names. I was at some point even confused if, a character was male or female. I was like, is this, oh my gosh, they said he. No, it's a she, because in my mind, I'm like, that's a she name, but no, it's a he. Oh no, 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 that's a she. So it was just, a. I think the story, I didn't get, because I couldn't put it all together. I just felt like I didn't get it, but I felt like there was so much in the story that the story itself is brilliant. I just wasn't able to appreciate it. Those were my thoughts. Those are my first thoughts. Okay, let's just go with what is this book about? Since I'm so confused, why don't you guys just, those of you who thought, oh my gosh, I learned a lot. I mean, because I was so confused. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's with the Russian KGB. Oh, that's KGB. Oh, he's sleeping with her. No, she's with the KGB too, or is she? Oh, wait, she's trying to trick him. I'm like, wait, who's pregnant? So anyway, so somebody please break it down. Give me this diagram, this perfect tree, and tell me what happened, what you learned. Who wants to go? Well, I can start with the characters that were clear to me. I will say that I gave a pass on, there was some confusion for me as well. However, I I gave that a pass because for the first half of the book, she drops some really deep and profound philosophical concepts that rarely make it into print. Like she talks about uh, the sacrifice that Mary made for Jesus and other things. I marked so many pages in the first half of the book. Interestingly, in the second half of the book, those don't continue. However, Katya is the doctor and she has a romance with Misha, who also was previously married to Vera. And then Slava is the woman who, I'm not quite sure what she, what she actually does as a profession, but her mom was the one who sold her off to uh, a man, trafficked her essentially. And so I kind of kept the thread going by keeping those two characters at the forefront of my mind and then Misha as well. So kind of by organizing by that, I don't know if somebody wants to pick up where I left off. Well, I think that through those two different threads, like you've mentioned, Nina, that you start to hear about their pasts and what has brought them to this current moment. And it tells also the history of Ukraine, at least modern, modernly, 
I mean, it doesn't go, you know, really like back to World War II or anything, obviously, but from a modern perspective. So you get about Chernobyl with Misha and Vera, and you get to hear like how that played out. And his mother, who's still living on the land, even though it's supposed to be like uninhabitable and, you know, she's like farming and, well, gardening, I guess, is a better way of putting that, a better scope of what she's doing eating the foods, drinking the water from the land, right? So that's kind of going into that direction of Chernobyl. But you also get the history with the older gentleman who is dying and he leaves this tape recorder for his daughter. Well, who he knows, I guess, at that point is still alive and in America. And he's telling the story about his background and her mom's background and, and her birth, you know, and how she came to be in America. And that I think told the story of how intertwined that the Russian and Ukrainian people have become in modern history. You're you're talking about um, a man who was Russian, who was raised, you know, his parents were Russian, but they, and they were in the high class at the beginning, right? Like, I guess you would consider them like in the oligarchy type class, But then he's being influenced by a music teacher who is clearly not Russian and has some history of being oppressed or his, you know, his people being oppressed by Russia. So you've got that and it's influencing this man who becomes KGB and who is supposed to be in Ukraine. And then he has a love life with this woman, you know, so you get this how intertwined that it becomes. And I don't think she was willingly his. I can't remember his wife's name. Was she another Vera? See, the names get confused. So I think the there names get confused. Now the question. Okay, other two Viras. Okay, I because think I there get were. on the audio too, and it's just like yeah. I'm like, oh my god. Okay, who is this guy? The guy you're talking about? Because there's all he's the, the same- old man that the doctor is treating. Because this. Okay, okay. Because I I was trying to like, where is this doctor treating him? Because there's Aunt Anna, right? He's like your aunt. Anna, your aunt Anna, blah, blah, blah. And I know what was it? Katya had a son, Isaac, from Alex or whatever. And then Katya had another child, Anna. Anna is Katya's child, right? Or no? No, no. 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 Okay, Anna is whose child then? The the older Vera that I'm I'm very certain there are two Vera. No, there was one person who lost a child. And then got pregnant again and then had Anna. That was his first wife, his Russian wife. So he had a Russian wife and he had a Ukrainian KGB wife. Misha did. Misha did. Misha is not. No. Misha is the doctor's love affair. But the doctor's treating this old man. And I can't remember his name or if he even. The piano man, I think, is what he was. I get confused because there was this piano guy, piano man like really involved with the piano. And then I got confused. I'm like, oh, maybe Misha likes the piano. And I'm just like, who, what? So, okay. So my thought is this, that from what you're telling me, like it really needs to be broken down to me. Like, okay, go back in sequence, break it down, understand it better. And because the story is brilliant, but it's only as brilliant as as you understand it. How brilliant can it be if you don't understand it, if it's so cryptic? I mean, I 
I would love to say, okay, I'm just stupid or I just don't have that comprehension. But I wouldn't say that because I the names were so f- floating together and it just kept jumping. And I know, um, Nina, you had the book. That's the other thing. I'm doing audio. I mean, I'm doing a little bit audio here. Yeah. And then I stop the audio. I come back and then it's a new name. And then I stop the audio. I come back. It's a totally another name. And then I'm like, oh, Misha, I know this name. Let's try to follow this. And then I stop the audio, come back and someone else. And so um, I'll tell you, for me, there was some passages I wish because it's audio. Unfortunately, I can't like stop, highlight, whatever. But there was some passages and words that were just so phenomenally beautiful. It was just intensely moving and so thought provoking the way he explained certain relationships. I mean, I didn't know what the relationship was at that time. I'm like, I don't even know who is who, but I was like, wow, you can write and you can write very, very, very well. And um, you can place philosophy in this and you can hand it to us on a golden platter without us feeling like you're shoving it down our throats. You're not. And it's just, we just smile and we're like, you know what? You're right. Wow. And um, I loved the writing. It was so poetic. Uh, That was my thing. Okay. So, so what is this book about? What is the essence of this book? What am I supposed to get out of it? Is this about relationships? Is this about relationship to country? Is it about loyalty? Is it about uh, wanting to have children? Is is it about immigration, emigration? What What is or are the primary themes of this book? I think it's about war and how disruptive it is to life. Um, So it's disruptive to, you know, people's ambitions and goals and families and feelings and and love. And and it just throws a wrench in in everything. And people kind of scatter in different directions because of of all this trauma. That was what I got out of it. I mean, Yes, but I think what's interesting is one of the stories is somebody running towards war instead of away, Katja, you know, and that's kind of interesting to me. I'm not sure that every person who voluntarily goes to a war zone is doing it for the the same reasons that Katja was. And I don't even know if she knew what her reasonings were. I mean, I think that the interesting thing is that she her life before was in such disarray. And, and she'd had so much trauma around that, that she was like, well, I'm not afraid to face war because I've already, you know, I already have all this trauma. So this isn't going to traumatize me any more than what I'm already traumatized. So I think that that was like because of what she'd gone through, it made it an easy choice to go there. But I also wonder if part of what was pulling her there was her knowing she was adopted from there and maybe like in a certain way, trying to find answers to that, trying to, I don't know if she expected to find a birth mother, but, you know, maybe she felt like there was something there that her birth mother had lost her and she had just gotten done losing a a child. And so she maybe 
was just looking for something to resonate with that experience. I don't know. I, I, I suspect that was maybe part of what her draw was there, but I definitely think that the reason why she went was because she was already so traumatized that she felt like, why not help? And that's where I, that's my birth country, you know, anyone else? I will say that I think this, I read her afterward. So it's somewhat coming from that. I think she wrote this as she wrote in that afterward for her country and its history and trying to transmit that information for her country and also to the rest of the world about what is going on and what has been going on there for so long that it's a part of their ancestry, it's a part of their blood. I couldn't keep track of the different people like the the Kozaks or something like that, but she goes back so far in history sometimes talking about these different groups of people who were persecuted by Russia. And I just think it's kind of like a, like a pledge of allegiance in some kind of way. Like she's, I don't know, this is like her country work that she's doing for her nation state. And I don't know, I was just really moved by it, especially with what's going on right now. So for her to be able to move me when I couldn't really even understand, you know, certain words that she was using, I think that's, that's pretty powerful. And it did the job of teaching me at least about what it's like to be born Ukrainian, have to live Ukrainian, and then be forced to leave your country because you're Ukrainian. I also really appreciated the fact that she did all of what you're saying without what do I want to say like it wasn't a book where you felt like every moment was like Russians are so like they're these evil people you know they as a as a group of like they as a, a people are bad it was like the people in power in Russia have constantly oppressed and they have constantly committed genocide and murdered people but they i felt like she also talked about how that affected russian citizens too it, it affected you know they were doing the same thing to their own people which i think is it was i really respected that and i also respected the fact that she talked about how ukrainians have viewed the lgbtq community throughout the modern history and how they're like they had not gotten that right you know and she acknowledged that so I, I thought that she did a great job of representing her country's history and the intricacies of the war that we're watching now without, you know, with, with really like being realistic about the wrongs on both sides. And so I, I, I just found that to be very interesting. Yeah, I agree with what Erin just said. She really was able to capture the gray and it wasn't so black and white with the back and forth between, you know, I'm a Russian KGB agent. No, now I'm actually loyal to Ukraine. So she was able to capture the human aspect of both sides, which was well done. And like when Misha goes and die, like when he's dying, like, well, before he gets captured, but you know, he's fighting and his friends who he had been with, who were like in the Russian, like Donbass area, 
And they, you know, one of them was the the person who found him um, and showed him compassion. And I just thought that was kind of, that was interesting too, because I think she was trying to acknowledge that there's factions even within her own country and that um, there's reasons why people might be compelled to go either way, you know, in this circumstance. So. Yeah. And in that scene where Misha and Peter, the Peter's the pro-Russian person, they were able to reconnect, still have that brother relationship, still recognize each other and then just say to each other, well, I'm going to go this way. You're going to go that way. And it's fine. Our relationship is still preserved, but I understand that we disagree here and we're just going to disagree. Yeah. There was something about how the wars overnight, they create these boundaries. And there was something about how, like it talked about like even the Berlin wall, like overnight, a brother and a sister are split. And overnight in this place, a mother and a child is split or, you know, friends are split from these issues that are taking place in the world and uh, people creating these divisions, I, I remember that, how like beautifully she had mentioned that those things were going on. I, you know, in a sense, I, I look at this and I think, despite my confusion, still confusion, I just think, okay, there are all these characters and they're all human beings. They're human players in a war. Like Dr. Jen said, this is about a war and essentially it's human it's human players in a war at some point unfortunately someone takes sides or you don't take sides or today he's my brother and tomorrow I'm going to be killing him what was that thing about the flies that expression you know I'm just going to be swatting flies do you know what I'm talking about like I'm just going to be killing people like I'm just going to be swatting the flies and then one day I'm going to be the fly. Just like, I love, I love her expression. She's just a brilliant writer. I love the humanity of it. But as far as a, a war story, of course, this is very, very, very different from the beekeeper of Aleppo, you know, which that's, um, I guess it's a war story, but it's, but that one's a, um, what is it? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know what I'm talking about? Where people are, uh, like refugee. Refugee. Thank you. I'm like, what's the word? Okay. Yeah. It's very different from Beekeeper of Aleppo because that was a refugee story and how people are displaced. This one is more of not so much of a displacement, but a displacement and a survival and trying to find one's own identity in different situations. You know, the very beginning of the book, very, very, very beginning. I'm listening to the audio. It's a whole bunch of history. It just starts off with in 1983, blah, 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 blah. 19 this year event, year event, year event. And that just keeps going. And when that was going on in the beginning of the book, I was like, oh my God, Dr. Jen, really? You said this was nonfiction. I mean, you said it was fiction and this is a history book. This is a total, total nonfiction history textbook, Dr. Jen. How is this even fiction? That was my first thought. So they go through this entire list, right? And then it starts off 
And I love the way it starts off. And it's where this guy says with longing, ah, you ask me where it started. Who started this? What shall I tell you about where this started? You, you know, like the way he says it with longing. I remember there's a YouTube video a long time ago. I saw it. It's a cartoon where there's a guy standing in a land. He's just standing and he's got a flag and he's happy. Then another guy comes in, kills him. You know, it's just, it's a cartoon. Machete chops his head off. There's, you know, blood drops. And then he stands in this land and he goes, my land. Then another guy comes in, kills him off, my land. And this goes on, you know, and then groups of people come in, my land. Then another group comes in, chops them off, my land. And I just, when I, when he said, where did this start? How do I start? How far back do I go? I thought about that, that YouTube video. And I also thought, I don't know why, but I thought about Israel and Palestine that conflict of my home, but not my home. What was that book we did, Dr. Chen? Remember the scene where she goes into the the woman's home and she's like, it's my home. And the woman's like, no. And yeah, it, it that's what it kind of reminded me of. Where did this start? When did this start? I think it started when we were human beings and we just, couldn't get along and we wanted to get along and then we didn't want to get along. And I don't know. I just wish the story was clearer to me. What were your favorite memorable, I guess, scenes or things that stick out to you? One of the scenes that keeps coming back to me, and I can't say that like in the moment I thought, oh, this is such a profound scene, but when he is learning how to fix the piano, like he says, like, I want to, he's been taking these piano lessons and he wants to learn about the inner workings of this piano as a young child this is the old man, the piano man, right? Like who becomes the piano man, the KGB officer. And his dad, he got swatted by his piano teacher and it's left marks on his hand. And his dad was like, what, what happened? And he explains, and his dad is like, and he sets him up with the the man who works on the pianos and he continues to get his lessons from this man who also teaches him how to fix a piano. And he's underneath the piano with the man and he's learning, you know, how to fix the chords or check the chords or whatever. And the man is teaching him his culture that has been oppressed in Russia. And I thought, I mean, it just keeps coming back to me because like the bravery that it took for that music man to teach this oligarch's kid about like, in a way, about the unfairness and the injustice that that class of people were having upon his people and his ancestors. And at the same time, you know, teaching love and care to this boy as well and teaching him music. And I just think like, I don't know, it just keeps coming back to me like these little moments that we think were there for one reason, teaching. But we have this opportunity to not just teach the, the subject or do the work that we've been brought there to do, but we can be influencing in other ways. On uh, that note, piggybacking to you, Erin, there was, I remember that scene and uh, there was the words of 
I'm trying to remember. She said, and then have you ever heard the sound of a piano key being played that doesn't, is not connected or something that the silence or the, or the, or the density or the whatever. I mean, the way she described it, have you ever heard the tap of that piano? And then that the dead silence that comes from it, that just takes, I don't know. It was, I can't write like that. Okay. It was just so, you, you, I'm just like, wow. It, it was just so graphic and so beautifully put. I just really liked it for me. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite scene because half the time I was confused. I remember, uh, <laughs> I'm like, I remember there was, what was it? Was it Katya? She was running into the garden and then she felt this warm body lying there. Was that Misha there? Or, yeah. Like this body lying there. And then there was somebody having a really bad, like she had this horrible nightmare and she wakes out of it. I think for me, is when the book started off with where I'm trying to figure out who these people are, those the Isaac, Alex, and Katya. And when Katya was with Misha, as much as my excitement, okay, I know these characters now, I think maybe, but then I'm like, oh, wait, oh my gosh, she split with Alex and then Alex was having an affair or what, you know, I don't know why that sticks to my mind. Like, I don't know why I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh he was having an affair on her. I thought they were happy. I thought it was, it started off with this, there was a relationship and things were good or, or that's what I thought. And then it's again, confusion splits over here. And then I'm like, wait, wait, who he was having an affair. What? Those kind of things is just jarring to me a little bit. There was the other scene that I was more towards the end of the book when I was driving there was the talk of, I don't know who, but the woman who gave birth in the camp, she gave birth in the camp. And he says he, she was probably surrounded by all these women and she was screaming while this baby came out. I don't know. That scene just, it's just like, oh my gosh. And then it says, after that, everyone wanted to protect the baby. I think that was Anna, right? The baby was Anna. And then it said, everyone made a vow to protect this baby. And uh, I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is beautiful. This is, this is really beautiful. So that was another scene that stuck out with me. Dr. Jen, you haven't spoken much, so. Yeah, I, I was gonna, so I'm trying to connect all the people in my mind. So Anna was Misha's daughter. Right? No. I think no, there were I don't two, remember. two Annas and two Veras. What? And There's two Annas? And two Alex. That's probably why I was confused. What? Because like there was the there was the ballerina Anna, and I'm like, is this the same person? And I couldn't tell because of all the time jumping. Oh my gosh, there were two Annas and two Veras? No, okay. Alex's. So Oh, there were two Alexes too. Okay, thank yeah. you. Because I thought there was two Alex. So hey, come on. There is just no way. I mean, on on top of confusion, this is this is crazy. But but you know, while we're on this, let me, let me just I'm going to sidetrack real quick. Is there a significance of this author writing two Veras, two Annas, two Alexes? It almost seems okay. I have an insight to that, 
that I, that may be an insight. Okay. So a little part of me, I'm, I don't know if this was originally written in English or translated into English, but if it was translated into English, a little part of me wonders if there were like Russian forms of Vera versus Ukrainian forms of Vera and that it all got translated into the English Vera, right? So that was kind of one of the things that I was thinking about when I started to realize that there were multiple characters with the same name. I don't know. I didn't look it up, but that was just a thought that I had. That makes a lot of sense. Wow. Okay. That's where my confusion has been. Okay. All right, Dr. Jen, back to you. No, I, I echo your confusion. I was also confused. <laughs> um, but, I love uh, it. Me and Dr. Jen are like, so who was Anna And was I even the- had the actual book. I could I can I can't even imagine how difficult it would have been trying to keep track of that when you're listening to it. Like I, I had the book and I could see the chapters that were like titled differently and I knew the time was changing and the people were changing, but I don't know. I maybe I was reading it too fast. Like I maybe I needed to write it down, but and, and try the audio because for the, I'm thinking first 20% of the book, I was like, I thought Misha was a woman because I was like, Misha. And I just thought, oh, this is a girl's name. And then the way he was reading it, I'm like, no, it's a boy. No, Misha's a girl. And it took me forever. I mean, 25% to figure out Misha was male and Katya was female. Like there were these names that I was, that I didn't know who was a guy and who was a girl. It kind of like reminds me of like, so in my office, when the reps call and when they really, you know, they just try to lie to try to get a hold of me and to try to talk to me. So they'll talk to my secretary. And, you know, when Jen answers the phone, they'll be like, hey, is Shanaz there? They'll act like they know me. And then they'll say, they'll say, oh, I met him at a meeting and he said to call me. And right there, you know, the assumption that Shanaz Ahmed is a male name, they made that assumption because it's not in the culture. And I felt as clueless as the reps who called the office calling me a male. That's how I felt through this book because a lot of the characters it took me a while to even figure out the sex of the characters. And um, I don't know. I think there was only one reader. I think it was only a male reader. Or was there a female? Whoever was reading it was reading it really well. But I still got confused. The emotions came through. But uh, yeah, I don't, you know, and I, and I wondered about having the physical book, Dr. Healy, because I was like, oh, if I had the physical book, this wouldn't happen. But then I'm like, no, I, I just, I understand. I mean, I, I'm getting this. I just don't understand. I understand what you're saying, but I don't understand who these people are. And that's kind of how I was. I was also confused uh, by the audio tapes because there were two people making audio tapes, right? Because there was like the, the cap, wasn't there? Because there was the captain. No, there was, was, someone was making no? an audio tape for Anna. Or was it, it for was the same Anna? guy. It was the piano man making an audio tape for Anna. But but wasn't wasn't Misha also making audio tapes for Vera or Vera was making audio tapes for Misha? Vera was making audio tapes for Misha. And interestingly, Vera. And they're not the same people. (laughs) No, no. And and the piano man, the captain, he was giving piano lessons to Vera 
Misha's wife who died. Yes. I think I got that yes. part. Okay. And so, so he let sense, her use the, the video or the tape recorder, the, the audio tape recorder. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I was confused by that too, but it was another, I guess, mechanism to make the changes in location and time, I guess, but it didn't. Audio tape, side two. Right. <laughs> it was constantly tape, side two tape side two and I'm like you're on side two for the entire freaking book it felt like that at least it was just like what is your point and then I realized they're making the state now okay he kept saying Anna my niece or I want you to meet your aunt Anna whose aunt is Anna Anna is Anna's aunt right what Anna is Anna's aunt She's the daughter, Anna, is named after her aunt, which is the captain's sister. So the captain piano man has a sister named Anna. And then when he has... Which is Vera's daughter or Katya's daughter? Who? Wait, what? Anna was Vera's daughter or Katya's daughter? Neither. Neither. (laughs) We don't even know if she, if he, Katya never got in touch with her. So the daughter, Anna, right, Erin? She never came into the book as like, I'm found, I'm Anna. Yeah, so I, it's the, okay, Slava had a, a girlfriend who gets abducted, okay? But then she has this reporter who she'd been like kind of- Adam. At, yes, Adam. Okay, Adam's mom is, is Anna from the tape recorder, like Ad- who the tape recorder was being made for. Adam's mom. And she's okay. the dancer. No. Is she? No. <laughs> That's a different Anna. Okay. Yes. Her aunt, was, her aunt was who... the dancer, I think. So his, I, well, that was my assumption is that Adam's mom was because she's like my dad, but maybe that was his, maybe Adam's mom was the captain's sister, who the ballerina. And we don't know who mm-hmm. the daughter is. And maybe, maybe that was there actually now that we're all talking about that maybe the Katja was supposed to be the daughter that was adopted. Cause all we, we do know that Katja came from, she was born somewhere close to Chernobyl and was adopted out before the meltdown. And then she, this, there was this camp, this de- Russian detention camp that the captain's wife was in when she gave birth. And it was a, one of the people takes the child and gives it to his brother in in Chernobyl. Like one of the guards takes the baby and gives it to his brother and sister-in-law who couldn't have children in Chernobyl. And that's before the meltdown. So you don't know what happens to that. Per- like, and also, I don't know if I didn't try to line up the, I don't have the physical book. I was listening on audio, not on double speed on single speed because it was so confusing. It was fine. It really was fine on double speed. You can understand clearly every single word on double speed. I, I think if I did it on single speed, it would have just doubled my agony and my confusion. It would have just been like, just dragged the confusion out. I would have understood it the same way. Like I had no, no lagging. Like I can understand like Katya, Misha, you know, Anna, like I, I hear all of this. I, hear the words I hear the I get the emotions I don't think single speed would have helped me honestly I just don't think so but 
So I don't know. Now that we're talking about it, Katja could be the, the baby. But I thought, I thought that that was, I didn't make that connection in reading. I thought that Adam's mom was the child adopted out, but maybe, but we know his mom's name is Anna. So maybe that, that was the sister, the ballerina. There was a scene. I'm I'd trying have to, to think. go back and look. There was a scene where, who was it? Vera was with this other guy, the KGB guy. And something Which about, <laughs> I don't know. Some, okay. Something about her mother thought that she was being aloof and not aloof, but being very free with the men and just hanging out. So the guy who is, I don't know if he's having a relationship with Vera or with Vera, he calls the mom. I got confused. He calls the mom and says, look, Vera is fine. She's with me. We're having a good time. And the mom says, I want you to come back right now. Come home right now. Leave her there. And, and he's like, no, we were going to go together. She goes, come back right now. And she go, he goes, what happened? It's something. And she goes, just, just come back right now. So he looks at Vera and goes, I got to go back. And Vera's like, wait a minute. I thought we were going to go together. But then he goes back and the mom, that's when I got this whole thing that he was KGB and says something like, well, no, she will complete her mission. I'm like, what mission? Who's on a mission? You KGB? What the hell? What, what is? I'm like, wait, you KGB? I'm like, I know what KGB is. It's like the secret service for Russia. Wait, what is the mission? If you KGB, is she KGB too? What is the big deal that you're coming home? It was so confusing. I just, I don't know. But it was memorable, but I was thrown off. Um, Jen first and then Nina. Yeah, so it it was mother was like the code name for their home base for the KGB. It wasn't their actual mother. Oh, okay. Yeah, see. so they they were they were just calling them calling him back because his wife had died or committed or I don't know something wrong with his wife, and so they were like he needs to get out of here right now, and they were worried that he was going to be a double agent, and that's why they wanted him out alone. I got that part. <laughs> okay, but, see, uh, I, I'm like, okay, see, I don't even get the mother part. I'm like, who's mom? And I'm like, it's both their moms. I'm like, what? That would make them siblings. I'm like, wait, I don't even know what's going on, please. And of course- They were pretending I'm, to be siblings, I think, right? Or cousins or something. They were and, pretending to be cousins. You know, think about this. There is a huge thunderstorm going on out there. Visibility on the road is next to zero. And I'm trying to drive and listen to this at two times the speed because I can do 2.8 with my headphones on, but in a car, I can only do 2.2 because of all the extraneous noise. Because it's raining, I got the volume up really high to listen and focus. And I'm like, mother calls. Okay, the mom calls. We're going here. I'm like, what the hell? What's going on here? But um, okay, for those of you who are listening to this podcast, I would strongly, this is me, my, this is me personally, my advice would be to read it and to stick it out, maybe take notes and really make an effort because I do believe the book is brilliant if you eventually get it. I, I think the, the pitfall of this book 
is the comprehension and the confusion of it. So just because I didn't get it doesn't mean you guys don't pick up the book. So please pick up the book, please read it, but take notes and all of that. And uh, yeah, I'm doing, I did at 2.5 the speed because I totally forgot about book club until Monday came along and I'm like, when is book club? Oh, what's for book club? Oh, book club Thursday. <laughs> like, okay, let's see. Okay. It's eight hour book. I can do it in four. You know, I could definitely do it at two times the speed. I started off with, you know, put my headphones on. I'll titrate the speed. I'm like 2.8. Okay. I'm going, going, going. Okay. I'm driving now. It's two times the speed. But uh, so I was cramming things in, but generally I, I don't really blame my comprehension on whether it is a physical book, ebook, or an audiobook. I have come to recognize that I have the same level of attention span and interest and confusion as I'm going through books, because ultimately I might read like 10 pages, put it down, and then it's another Katya and another Anna, and I'd have been. I'd have still gotten confused. So, so yeah, that would mean my, that would be my advice. Stick it out, still keep reading it. So do you want to tell me who your favorite characters were? Because now it would be very interesting if you said Anna, I would have to say which Anna, because I didn't even know there were two Anyas. And if you'd have said Vera, I'd be like, which, which Vera? Because, and I cannot tell you who my favorite character is because I didn't even know who the characters were. <laughs> so I think if you guys have a favorite character or a favorite something that makes someone stand out, yeah, what do you think? Okay, I have two favorite characters. Misha and his mom. I like Misha because just like he's an interesting character. He's been through a lot. He's resilient and he still like finds joy and love. Which is something that's hard amidst all, well, I think would be hard amidst all of what he's faced in his life. Maybe when that's all you've known, it's not hard. I don't know. But I really, I really liked his character a lot. He still finds humor. He's just a complex character. His mom was just so like resilient too. And also she's like, I am not leaving here. Like if this thing's going to kill me, it's going (laughs) to kill me. But you know. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to keep my gardening. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. This is, this is my home. And I respected that. And I, and she also like, doesn't question that he brought home a strange, strange woman that she's never met or heard anything about. And, you know, she also doesn't, I don't feel like pry too much into that either. So I I thought she was great character. I'm going to say real quick, hold on real quick, real quick is that, you know, we're talking Chernobyl here. We're talking a nuclear reactor accident. We're talking multiple injuries and multiple deaths. And, you know, I mean, now look, we're in 2022, understanding all of this. We look back and we're like, oh my gosh. So I don't know if I would respect Misha's mom for having the conviction to be like, oh, let's say maybe, you know, because she probably didn't have the knowledge of the nuclear reactor thing or the effects it could have. I don't know, because I think about, okay, I don't know the name of this mountain. There's, um, you guys can, it's in, um, 
Seattle, it's about two and a half hours south of Mount Rainier. Okay. And it was this giant volcano that erupted. I can't remember the Mount name. Mount St. Helens. Thank you. Thank you. Mount St. Helens. So Brad and I, we went to Mount St. Helens and there's a lookout point and it's like a museum. And it talks about, you know, before it erupted and how they were trying to evacuate everyone from there. Right. And there's the story about a man who lived in a little cottage right beneath the mountain, like close to the, you know, base of the mountain. And they tried to get him to leave. And he said, no, this mountain and I have a relationship. We have an understanding. You know, me and this mountain, we have this thing. I will not leave this mountain. This mountain will not hurt me. And well, we know what happened there. Obviously, you know, you had Mount St. Helens erupt. And, you know, you look at the, if you've ever been there, if you've never been there, you know, it's, oh my gosh, you have to go because all these pine trees from a distance look like toothpicks all lined up like straight lines, like from the explosion, like all these pine trees. So back to the book. Okay. We're not talking Mount St. Helens. We're talking Chernobyl. And for her to say, this is my land. I thought about the guy at the end of the mountain going, this is my mountain. I, I have an understanding. No, you don't. You, you, you know, I get it. And I don't, it's, there are reasons like people say, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, there's a tornado warning. I'm like, no, you know what? The tornado won't come hit me. It just won't. I just have, I just know the tornado is not going to hit me. This is warning, but I just know it's not going to come to me. Tsunami is coming, but it just, I have this understanding, you know, there's a huge forest fire. My house is not going to burn down. In this case, there's a Chernobyl nuclear accident. I'm sorry, Aaron, I'm going to disagree with you on her standing her ground. The only way I will respect that is because I can respect that she didn't have the knowledge. You know, there's a lot of things we, you know, that comes from. I think she had the knowledge, but I think she's kind of just like, I'm going to go out on my own, on my own terms or whatever. That's how I took it. Okay. Um, I think it was Nina. Did I cut Nina off or Jen off? Jen, Jen, right? Go ahead, Jen. Uh, I don't remember what I was going to say before, but now I'm going to (laughs) say that uh, I I was just thinking about when we were talking a minute ago about against Loveless World and the the older lady coming back to her homeland and there's other people living there and being very traumatized by, by being there. And I think that there are some especially older people who are very tied um, to their culture and their homelands that might not make the choice to move someplace else if their only other choice was, you know, death. They might not choose that. And I mean, like to each their own, whatever. If you don't want to have that that trauma, then okay. But I, I think that you just felt so tied to that place and that land and where I guess where she grew up, where her family was from, that she would rather stay there and just go out, like Erin said, on her own terms, rather than have to go into a completely new culture that she doesn't understand and go through all that separation and trauma. So I don't know. Everybody's different with their values and such. 
Um, and then what were we talking about before that I was <laughs> I know okay. favorite, got, favorite character all over the oh, place yeah favorite yes. character thank you uh I, I liked Katya um, and maybe just because she's a doctor and like I can I, I relate to her but I can uh, relate to having those uh, kind of running towards the war <laughs> you know even if it's really more that you're away from your life currently I don't know but I, maybe a combination of both running towards the to help and then running away from uh things that were unpleasant so but yes I I really liked her resilience I like how she was able to find love again with with Misha um even though that also ended poorly and that was one of the scenes that sticks out to me too um when she finds him in the garden I'd have to say my favorite character is Misha's mother and it's because she has this freedom about her and on page 275 in the in the book there's this sentence that Kalani wrote it was said to me freedom Alexander Ivanovich which is the name of the piano man is the state of being at peace with oneself and I think that she really demonstrated that by accepting what happened and believing that the earth could bounce back from such a terrible event and then actually prove she was right. I mean, she, her garden was thriving. The berries and water were fine. She lived, I mean, she must be like, what, 70, 80, 90 years old by now. So she obviously survived. And then the description that Kalani gives of the effects of radiation were so vivid. You'd never learn this in school. And I think this is a book that actually should be read in school because there is so much to learn and draw out from it. So the flaking of the skin, that was so vivid. And then to have that juxtaposed with her garden I think is just a testament to human and earth resiliency. So she was my favorite. The flaking of the skin was like, like, wow, it was quite graphic, but with Chernobyl and all of that, I think, uh, what year was it? Because I was, I was definitely alive for Chernobyl. Like, was it late eighties, early nineties? Yeah. I think I was in Dubai at that time. And in Dubai, I'll tell you what, uh, one thing I love about the country when, when I was growing up in Dubai was the news. Even as a young kid, I grew up, loved, loved, loved watching the news. It was international news. It, it wasn't like the news here. I don't know. It was just phenomenal. And so living through Chernobyl in Dubai and then understanding like what it really is and or was I think it I mean I, I came to America I think late a 88 or 89 is when I came to America so it was around that t- you know came here and then understanding all of that but the skin flaking you know didn't someone have a thyroid issue or not like they went for something else and then the doctor does the exam, like, yeah, she couldn't have children, right? Or something. And he does the full exam. She says, he looked in my uterus, he looked in this and this. And then he found two lumps, you know, in my throat. 
yeah, it's just, um, it was a vivid reminder of Chernobyl. But the other element of Chernobyl for me and this book was, what is this book about? You know, as, you know, Jen said, war. And I'm going, Chernobyl was, did I miss something? Did Chernobyl have something to do with war? I mean, it was just an, no, right? It just was an event that took place at that time. So I'm kind of like, wait, this book is about war. Because I know when I when they were talking about Chernobyl, I, it was just my, my thought was, we picked this book because of what's going on with Ukraine. Help us to, you know, discuss this issue and parcel it and process it better. And then I'm like, where is Chernobyl coming into this? Chernobyl has nothing to do with, it's just an incident that took place. That was my thought on it. But I was like, okay, fine. I, I like that there was, you're just mentioning the incident that took place. And then one more thing is there was a lot of mention about meeting in Prague at the Charles Bridge. And you're like, why does that stick to her memory? Because I just recently was in Prague last November and I remember crossing the Charles Bridge. And I remember it was part of our tour and it's just like, they're like, this is a very historic bridge, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm reading this book and these people are meeting at the Charles Bridge and the Charles Bridge. And I'm going, oh, this is a significant bridge. I mean, I mean, they told me how, you know, it was a very important historic bridge and here I am walking it. And now when I'm reading this book, it's kind of sinking in a lot more. Uh, a couple of points about Chernobyl. If you haven't watched the miniseries on HBO, you should 100% go and watch it. It is fascinating. Uh, it came out a couple of years ago, but it is like watching a horror show in slow motion. You can you know exactly what's going to happen, but like the drama that they create as this goes down is it's it's horrific. But at the same time, it just shows you you learn more about the reasons for the disaster, like why it happens, how the corruption and the incompetence of the people who were, who were working there that was supported, you know, all of that was ingrained in Russia and how they tried to cover it up. And so I think that's how it kind of relates back to war and that one of the reasons for the war is that Russia has so much corruption um, that it's causing all of these events that are impacting people's lives and displacing them um, even if it's not like a part of the war itself it's because of that country and what it does did I guess I think it relates back kind kind of in that in that way that's an excellent point thank you for bringing that up that's I love it corruption and how it leads to the war I, I love it thanks Dr. Jen for enlightening us on that Anything else about this book, the whole book? Anything? Well, I want to talk about the meaning of the title. Okay. So, I mean, uh, the title is I Will Die in a Foreign Land. And I just think that it's kind of interesting because Misha doesn't die in a foreign land. He dies in his own land, but it looks foreign to him because it's not the land. It's not politically and even physically, even though it's geographically the same land, it's not physically the same land that he was born in. It looks different, right? Like 
the top- the topography because of Chernobyl, the social aspects of it, it the fact that it's war torn and it's damaged from that, like it is foreign to him, even though it's his land and it, and it no longer, you know, be- that piece where he was at no longer belonged to Ukraine, maybe in that moment. I mean, I guess it did in the long term, but not in that moment. I, and you think about like, well, Katja, I will die in a foreign land. Okay. Well, she was born in Ukraine. She didn't have the ability to decide necessarily at first where she was going to end up. Right. But she goes back to America. She's going to die in a foreign land. I contend that her time in Ukraine, you know, she really did reconnect and and maybe it's more dear to her heart than where she grew up in America. And I also think about what the title um, Slava, who makes the very hard decision to leave, right? Which is probably the most obvious one of what she means by I'll die in a foreign land. But there's also, there's tons of characters throughout the book that are, even if they never leave the land on which they were born and raised, when they die, they're very likely going to be dying in that area in a land that does not politically look like the land that they were born in or socially, economically, et cetera. And so I just thought that there's so many layers to that title when you really start to think about what it means. Great segue, Aaron. You want to give us a star rating on the title and then you can I mean, continue I give it a five. with the And I, I, well, I figured, but I'm going to ask anyway. Uh, let's, Aaron, why don't you tell us about the cover also and then we'll go to title and oh, cover. Nina, can you hold it up? I kind of remember what the cover looks like. It's got birds on it. Yes. I don't really know what much what to make of the sheep. I know culturally in my culture, blackbirds or ravens are supposed to be signs of death. So I thought that the birds at least went along with the title. I don't have anything against the title. It seems it doesn't really tell you what you're getting into really. But um, and I don't know exactly how it relates to the story other than the, the blackbirds would at least give me context to death. I give the cover. I don't know. A three and a half, I guess. Okay. Who wants to go for um, cover and title? Um, so I just wanted to let you guys know that the the cover is actually an oil painting. It's oil on canvas. And it was painted in 1878. I thought it was an amazing cover to the point that I went into the fine print and was like, where did this cover come from? Because I really like it. And so I'm actually thinking about getting a copy of this print because it was, the, the title of the print is Anguish. And I think that sheep, God, if you could just see that the sheep's face is truly Anguish. And the title I think also is a, a segment of a verse from one of those ancestor epics, I will die in a foreign land. So I give it a five on, on both, five on both. Wow. That's, uh, that's impressive, Nina. I love that you liked the cover so much. You went and read the fine print because um, for me, the title, I will die in a foreign land. I don't know it, it, it in the beginning, I wasn't sure, but, you know, talking to you guys, discussing the book after having read the book, it really gels well. It sits well with me. I love how Erin explained this whole concept 
of I Will Die in a Foreign Land couldn't have picked a better title for that to the book. I mean, um, I mean, we're not talking about, you know, what is that book? Against the Loveless World. What was the book? I, you know, I gave it a different title. But anyway, this book, <laughs> Against the Loveless World. Uh, no, it's not Against the Loveless Oh, my gosh. What? I will die in a foreign land. Ah, I will die in a foreign land. I love the title. Hands down, I'll give the title a five. Now, the cover of the book is where I am in complete opposition with Nina. Like, I mean, complete. I'm a one on the cover, okay? Because even, even with Nina explaining to me it's anguish it's a painting i'm thinking to myself i should somehow because you're saying these things i should say wow this means something and i'm like no don't say what you should say say what you really feel and what i really feel is blah it's just blah it's almost it's very muted very black and whitish. Sure, it could be symbolic of the war and, you know, the bleakness of war. As you said, it's anguish. I just was like, just did not do it for me at all. You have sheep and you have a dead sheep. I'm like, what is this? Noah's Ark? You, you, you know, like, I literally saw like this. I think there's two sheep, right? And I'm like... What the F? I mean, like that that was my thought. You know, I'm like Noah's Ark when I saw all these animals and all. And then here's this, there's Noah's Ark and then there's the war effort. Maybe it's supposed to be sheep to slaughter. I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's, you know, there was some biblical references in the book. So maybe it is Noah's arc reference and a biblical reference of when did this all start? I don't know. But anyway, the title is a five. The cover is a one for me. I know Nina's laughing. She's like, <laughs> here Nina wants to buy the cover. And I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Jen. Yes. Uh, I, I actually kind of agree with Nina on this one. So I wasn't a huge fan of it, but like knowing that it's called anguish and looking at it again, it makes way more sense to me. Cause I don't know if you guys, if you can look at it, but the mom sheep is standing over the dead baby sheep surrounded by vultures. And it felt to me a lot like some of the vulnerable people in in this book. So there are some strong people that are trying to protect the vulnerable people, and then they're surrounded by vultures, right? Um, so it makes it makes more sense now um, that that I, I I realized that I didn't really look at like the sheep's expression, um, but but when you look at it more closely, it's like yes, this is a mama sheep, and she's traumatized you know by you know the the poor baby sheep there um and is trying to protect it so it, it i don't know it makes more sense to me now so um i and i i love the the title also so i i would give them both a five i'm still looking for the vultures i, I mean i'm looking at it and i'm just they're not turkey vultures like i would say yeah i couldn't tell some of them look like ravens. some of they them look, look like a vulture, like a black-headed vulture it's hard to know, but those they, are all like 
birds of death. They yeah, were black birds. They're black, yeah. not black birds, but birds that are the color black. Yeah. And I can see where you're saying the mama sheep is there and over the baby sheep. And there's either it's cold or she's crying because you can see the smoke coming from her mouth. So it could be a symbol of her talking and all of that. Or it could just be calling out to Noah and saying, I'm here, take me on the ark, is what I get out of it still. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm still, I'm, it's still not doing it for me. I, I mean, even though you're explaining it to me, it's like, I feel I'm like, I wish Bowie was here because you know how Bowie calls me Madam Coldhearted? It would be, I mean, Bowie would be like, Madam Coldhearted strikes again. And, uh, but, oh, well. Okay, final question. Unless we have something else to discuss, the final question is your final rating of the book. I'll go first because um, I don't, because I'm not going to have a five rating on this book. I have like a double rating. Conceptually and the, the writing, like the author's ability to write is a five. But the actual book, confusion and, uh, you know, putting the reader, you know, giving the reader a lot of work and effort to process things. And maybe she was trying to be too erudite with the two Annas and two Alexes and two whateveras. Or maybe it could be what Aaron said, it's Anna in Ukraine and Anna in Russia. It could be either of it, but it was just still a little bit over my head. And I wish it was fleshed out better. And uh, because of that, it's that balance between the concept and the writing of five. And then all of this, that I'm going to give it a three for the whole book. And that's my thought on it. Who's next? I'll go. I give it a five. I mean, for all of the reasons that I've talked about this evening, I really enjoyed the book and I got a lot out of it and I would read it again. And I have recommended it to people. So five for me i wouldn't recommend it maybe to just everyone just because there is a lot of trauma in it so i might be a little bit careful about if somebody's experienced a lot of trauma this might be triggering for them but but in general i think it's a really great book i'll piggyback off aaron because i completely agree i think this is worth uh, multiple reads i think it's worth discussing in school and even more than one month in a book club uh, because of just what's going on right now. And then it's really rare to come across a modern author that has created something that might stand the test of time. And this is, this is up there. Like, you know, I wouldn't put it up there with like Homer or Shakespeare, you know, things like that. But in terms of modern authors. I think she has the talent and the content to produce epics. And I think this is just the first of an epic. And I think it's great. And five all the way. I would give it a four overall. So I I loved her writing um, and the emotion that she was able to, uh, I don't know, evoke uh, I love the history and, and learning about um, the region and the war and the conflict. I will 
probably need to read it again to diagram out all of the relationships and the people because I had a really hard time keeping them straight. Um, but I, I probably will read it again at some point just, just to do that and, and see if I can figure out those, those details. Thank you. So, um, hey, that was good. That was a good discussion. And uh, thank you all for um, coming to uh, book club. So I will close this discussion of I will die in a foreign land. All right, friends. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our discussion of I Will Die in a Foreign Land. I found it really interesting because, you know, we've got Dr. Jen and myself. We were a little confused. And, you know, Nina and Aaron, they had it all together. It was, it was good. It was good. And this is why I love book club. I love discussing books. I love expanding my mind. I mean, at least that's for me. Now, coming up on this podcast, we are getting to the end of May. So, next up will be Month in Review. I can't even tell you how many books I have finished because I just haven't been keeping track yet. But uh, stay tuned for it because I will tell you this. I've had some good reads this month and it's really exciting. So that's coming up. The next after that is I'm working on episodes. I know I've been telling you guys, I'm working on episodes. I'm working on episodes. But this is real, guys. Things are changing in my life. And I should have more time. And uh, so I'm thinking about getting more episodes in. I've requested a few author interviews. I don't know if they will... um, get through or not and I'm hoping I'm keeping my fingers crossed for this one author interview I can't even tell you because I'm just keeping my fingers crossed oh my goodness so I'm trying to do more author interviews I'm trying to come up with more episodes so stay tuned and before I go if you loved this episode or any of my previous episodes please take a moment to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram on Living a Life Through Books. I'm also on Clubhouse. Look me up by name. I'm on TikTok. My tag is at Dr. Shnaz Ahmed. You can reach me through email. My address is livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. My website is shanazahmed.com. That is S-H-A-H-N-A-Z-A-H-M-E-D.com. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavic. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time. It's time.